Hello, Blenders. On this week's episode, we are going to be talking about huge shifts in the 2020 theatrical calendar. We're going to break down the 355 trailer and talk about Jamie Foxx back in the Spider-Man Spider-Verse. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Blenders, and welcome. Welcome to episode number 138 of Real Blend, a podcast that has been delayed until June 2nd, 2023. My name is Sean O'Connell, the managing director here at Cinema Blend, uh, back with another rousing episode of your favorite movie podcast. On this week's show, uh, we're going to be discussing huge, huge shifts to the 2020 and also 2021 theatrical calendar. Uh, we're going to break down the trailer for a new film called The 355, and we're going to get into Jamie Foxx returning to the Spider-Verse in a really weird way. But before we get into all of that, let me introduce the boys, starting with Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Hi, Jakey. You promised that this is going to be a rousing episode. You don't know that. I, well, I, would, I don't. I, it, could, I, it could suck all to hell. No, no, no. I'm basing it on previous episodes and knowing that eventually we ramp up to the place where we are rousing. We rouse. By definition. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, this Largely, is also the episode that Sean's going to finally admit that Hubie Halloween is his number one of this year and last year. That would be rousing. Reason. Um, that would yeah. rouse me. I laughed really hard. At me Hubie too. <laughs> me too. I'm not going to lie. It made me laugh. I'm sorry. That's uh, I'm Kevin sorry, McCarthy actually. of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hi, Kev. How are you? Sean, Jake, Gabe, good to see you guys. There's a moment in Hubie Halloween, especially very early on, when I knew that, like, this is Kevin McCarthy's jam. <laughs> I mean, it has everything. And that it involved a fart joke. Yeah, it was yeah, a fart joke. It was a fart joke. I mean, it's no surprise. I am a fan of potty humor. I have no problem admitting that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really funny. I put this in my tweet because uh, earlier this week, but back in the day, I used to listen to Adam Sandler's uh, uh, 
albums growing up, and he ha- he used to release these comedy albums, and there was a bit on there called The Hypnotist. I think I said this to you, Sean, at some point. Yeah. With Kevin, Kevin Nealon, and it's like fart jokes the entire time. It's very funny. And then you watch Hubie Halloween, which is what, 25-something years later? Yes. Same type of jokes. Yes. It, you, know, you know, for some people, fart jokes work for your life, but he's man. 53. That's the it's point, okay. is that he's 53. I would like hey, to my- see him evolve. <laughs> Hey, Uncut Gems was a pretty evolved part. And didn't he make a promise that, like, if I don't get an Oscar nomination for Uncut Gems, I'm going to make a really bad movie? Like, (laughs) is is this it? This is it. No, I don't think this is it. No. No. I think the the worst one is actually still to come because this one's got some really good jokes in it. All right. uh, Housekeeping. If you are currently looking at our beautiful smiling faces, that means you are watching on YouTube. And we thank you very much. Um, If you're listening to us, please head over to YouTube. We have two channels we would like for you guys to subscribe subscribe to. Search Real Blend on YouTube uh, or search Real Blend Clips. One does the full show. One is doing shows uh, or clips that we're pulling out for um, things that we want to be able to share, interview clips, uh, segments that we find really appealing, and then you guys can subscribe and turn on your notifications and know every single time a new one of those is, are put up. Of course, you can also find the show in uh, its entirety, any place that you download podcasts, and we want to send you guys to the Real Blend store, uh, cinemablend.com backslash shop. You can get uh, t-shirts and mugs and some other swag that have the show's emblems all over them. Uh, later in the show, I'm going to plug the premium episode because uh, those are those are a lot of fun. Like those have been going really well. We're having a lot of fun doing those and we're getting a really great response from people who are um, subscribed to that. So uh, I'll give another plug for the premium episode later on. That brings us to the weekly poll. And because for October, the show is staying very heavily into the horror genre, as you'll see later on in our blend game. And the fact that Kevin's wearing a Jaws t-shirt is uh, we asked the question, who is telling the scariest horror stories these days? Now, in the text chain, when we tried to figure out which names we should put on here, we legitimately had six or seven names of people that could have been included. So I we thought Blumhouse with, was a good one, by the way. I know I there was debate that. about that, but yes, the issue with Blumhouse is he he encapsulates so many yeah. filmmakers that are telling great sure. stories. He's kind of a cheat code. To Gabe's point, if you if you said Blumhouse and Jordan Peele in the same tweet, both of them were involved in Get Out. How would you differentiate? Yeah, okay. I get so it. who we here's who we went with, um, and Kevin, I'm going to defer to you here for this one. You get to choose who you think people went with. We went mm-hmm. with James Wan, mm. Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. Mike Flanagan or other. And this is current day who they think is telling the best horror stories. Correct. Who is telling the scariest horror uh, stories these days? James Wan, t- Jordan Peele, Mike Flanagan or other. I know this is a question, a stupid question to ask now because the poll's done. But do, did Flanagan, did that encapsulate Hill House as well? It in, should. In, so it's not just so. movies. We're, we're talking about TV shows, too. I think so. Yeah. Because I even when I thought Jordan Peele, I included his. Well, he hasn't done any Twilight Zone episodes yet, has he? Well, has he, he introduced some of the first season. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I man, see, it's funny because I I, I want to go. I, I I would personally say Jordan Peele, mm-hmm. but I think our audience chose Flanagan. You're you're exactly right. <laughs> they chose uh, Mike Flanagan with thirty eight percent, and Jordan Peele yeah. got thirty percent, um, which I yeah. think is a slight at James Wan. I know that he branched off and did an Aquaman film, but his Conjuring films are. Really? Scary. Yeah, I think he just hasn't made one in a while. I think he's but, not. I think it's like, you know, out of out of sight, out of mind. I think it's because he hasn't like his name hasn't yeah. been 
up front with the horror genre within the past few years he's kind of been forgotten not forgotten about but like isn't as necessarily thought of i can see that. i mean aquaman was a horror movie you guys remember that beach scene with the pitbull song as yeah, he as he pulled terrifying. up into the into the ocean i mean no but do you remember he did the trench sequence in that and that actually was a scary moment in that film are you talking about that cool art shot where yeah, like yeah. all the that Three was dives awesome. and all the creatures follow after him james Wan's made cool. some incredible horror films so yeah Stop sleeping on James Wan. Uh, Gabe, you said we had a, there was an other that was a huge omission. Someone we left out. Ari Aster. I heard a lot of Ari Aster. I I was a great. It's a great other. When we were doing when you guys were we were texting about that, I looked up Aster and I was like thinking to myself, OK, all right. It's so weird to say his name without Ari before it. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about Aster here. Um, no, it is. It's weird. Like some directors, you can just say, oh, yeah, Peel or uh, Spielberg. It's Aster crap. doesn't sound good by itself. Um, uh, no, but here, I, I guess I guess technically Gabe has a good point, because if Jordan Peele can be up for it with us and get out, why couldn't Ari Aster be up for it with Hereditary and um, and uh, Midsommar, Midsommar? See, Hereditary is a horror movie to me. Midsommar. Mm. Oh, come on. Horror? Don't be that. Don't be movie. that guy. It's a is horror Midsommar movie. Midsommar horror. Yes. 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 I think it's more psychological thriller. Uh, thank you. Uh, that's, thank such you. A, that's such a cop out to get out of the horror. It is a horror film. It's a horror movie. Or you consider, what's Silence of the Lambs? A horror film. Horror film. See, I don't consider it can be both. It doesn't film. have to be not a psychological film. It can be both film. for sure. Yeah. Yes. There, there yeah. is, there is this thing that happens, and I'm not saying that you guys do it, but I feel like whenever a horror film starts like elevating and like becomes like a more prestigious, then people want to take it out of the horror yes. genre and call right. it something else. But like, I think get out, like, no, like, like it is get get out, get out as a horror film. Get out as a horror movie, but I also yeah. feel like it, it could fall. I, I just feel like well, Silence of yeah. the Lambs. But, but I feel like the re, like specifically, I feel like with with the horror genre, anytime it's like it starts getting like critical acclaim and like more like universally accepted, then critics want to like pull it out of the horror. Genre. It's like no, like well, a horror film can be a prestige film too. I'll give you a good example of a horror film that elevates that still says it still stays horror. I don't think turns into psychological thriller scream cabin in the woods. Sure. I think those are sure. just straight up horror films that do actually elevate and are better than what, whatever you're referring to the idea of like a general standard horror film, but it's an interesting point. I mean, psychological thriller. It's so funny. Cause like silence of the lambs, I would never categorize as horror. I and just wouldn't wh- horror films make me scared. I don't think that Midsommar ever made me scared. That's, I, I think that's that's yeah. an oversimplification. I, I because because scared is subjective. Like mm-hmm. I can sure. I can think a comedy is good. Like and and I mean like if if Dumb and Dumber doesn't make me laugh, it doesn't change the fact that it's still a comedy. Like a, right. a horror film, okay. whether it scares you or not, like it's still a horror film. Okay. What is a horror film? Sounds like a great bonus episode guy, or premium episode. Yeah, I like, did it. <laughs> I, I do think genres are very interesting to play with. I mean, like uh, theoretically, Get Out could be a psychological thriller, and it's so funny. I probably described it that way to people at po- at some point. I'm sure I said Get Out deals with psychological elements and is a thriller, but yeah, it's so interesting. How I guess we somehow define horror in our own way. Like I, like I said, I would not categorize Silence of the Lambs as horror. I just okay. Wouldn't. What is the lighthouse? It's not a horror film. It's not horrifying. A horror film. Why not? It yeah, so I don't think like it was meant to be a horror. I don't, I don't think creature. it was made as a horror film. But it scared me. I don't, I don't think the direct. Well, there are a lot of the movies mermaid. I see that scare me that that aren't horror films. True. Right. Wow. This is an interesting question. I, 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 I don't revisit this. I don't think the director of the Lighthouse would call that movie a horror film. Would Ari Aster call Midsommar a horror movie? That's yeah, what we talked. We talked. We talked about that in the interview. 
Did I, that, that was one of my questions <laughs> really? to him. Yeah, that was my one of my questions. Is this idea of people taking films out of the horror genre? Oh, yeah, yeah, whenever yeah. I thanks for remembering. I, was like, I remember Jake. It was a great ago. question, Jake. <laughs> We had to talk to a lot of other filmmakers between now and then. I, weirdly enough, I remember where I was during that interview. I was at Lauren's dad's house on on and stealing his neighbor's Wi-Fi to complete that interview. On Lauren's I was over there. Bed. I was on the other side of the room for some reason. I remember where I was. Yeah. All right. Let's move off of this. Uh, this is normally when we would throw it to an interview. Uh, but this week, it's just all of us together. So we have plenty of news to get to, including the calendar shifts that have been decimating our industry. And so I'm going to really so quick tired go through. i tired of this topic. Yeah, good. join the club, my friend. Um, but it's big news, and I feel like we have to cover it uh, because a number of big movies have moved not just out of 2020, but are shifting around to 2021. Um, the big one that dropped first and foremost was Dune. Dune moved out of December, kind of like how we predicted it was going to. Once Wonder Woman um, landed in December and Wonder Woman and Dune are both Warner Brothers films, we knew one of them was going to budge and that Dune probably was going to move back. I didn't anticipate how far back it was going to move. It moves back a full calendar year from now. So it's going to open on October 1st, 2021, theoretically. Uh, that date was Which movie? already... Dune? Dune is October I thought it was, I thought it was October 21st. I think was it the first? first? Am I wrong? I thought it was 21st. Well, I know it's uh, October 2021. It's okay. October oh, maybe, 20, maybe maybe I read Could that, that be where? Yeah, could that be where you got the twenty first from? My bad. My bad. My bad. That was the date that the Batman was supposed to open, and that is also a Warner Brothers movie. So then we anticipated right. that one going to move, and of course it did move to March of twenty twenty two. In addition to the Batman getting moved, DC and Warner Brothers moved all of their films back, uh, including The Flash and Shazam two, and now The Rock's Black Adam film, which currently has no date because who knows when it's coming. And all those other films, The Flash and Shazam 2, they took dates in 2023. Um, it's just a it, it's a constant shuffle uh, of moving things back. I think I think Bond moved since last we talked. Has like we didn't even really discuss the fact that that yeah. film has been moved back uh, into next year. So th- here are the movies that are still on the schedule for this year. The Crudes, A New Age is going to be opening. Uh, Pixar still saying that Soul is going to open. Death on the Nile remains on the calendar. And then this big blockbuster, Wonder Woman 1984, is still currently down for Christmas Day. Those are the only major releases still scheduled for 2020. And the reason why, I know Jake looks skeptical, uh, but we're going to get into some of the reasons why uh, we think that this might happen. Because Regal has shut down, uh, or is about to shut down. Cineworld, the company, the parent company that owns them, is about to shut down. However. AMC theaters has said that they are going to stay open in places that they can uh, and be ready to uh, play some of these films that are going to be coming out. And also some of the films that have uh, these day and date or or close to day and date streamings like David Fincher's film Mank, which Netflix has said they want to run in theaters in November uh, and then bring to their streaming service shortly after that, probably in December for awards time. So um I don't know, guys, what do you think about the new normal where a few movies still have release dates holding on for the rest of the year and a few other films are going to are going to play around with partial uh, theatrical release, partial streaming? I feel like we discussed a lot on this show, something that I I have a question about specifically. We, we discussed a lot about what films were moving to streaming, which ones were just being delayed in general. Right. And we kind of came up with this idea of like, OK, let's look at the films they're moving and look at the films they're putting on to VOD mm-hmm. Trolls mm-hmm. World Tour or Scoob. Uh, 
Yeah, films that might not necessarily, you know, they would be great in theaters, but they'll still do well at home. So uh, this week, and we're going to get into this in, in the week with movies later on with The War with Grandpa, I, I, that's one that I'm baffled by. Why would that not just go to VOD? Like, they're releasing that in select theaters this weekend. That feels like, I, I'll tell you I'll tell you what happened. I was on the air the other day. I was airing my interview with Robert De Niro and the kids from the film, and, and my anchor looked at me and goes, hey, can I watch this in my in my home this weekend? I said, no, it's in select theaters. He, and he's like, oh, man. Like, I was like, that right there, he just lost, they just lost whatever money that would be. And I, and yeah. I guess my point is War with Grandpa feels like a kind of movie that would fit into the same elements as like a Trolls or a Scoob. And I, so do you think, that is it is it a legal thing or do you think they're just, just going to see what happens? Because no Regal's open this weekend in the United States, just the AMCs and whatever other theater chains are open, but no one's going. Tenet made less than $50 million in the U.S. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not 100% well, sure what the decision makers uh, behind them are. Because even when you look at a studio weird. like Disney, Disney will hold off on um, a Marvel project or say that Soul is going to go to theaters, but they're content to put Mulan behind a paywall or let um, yeah. Artemis Fowl go to their streaming service. So I can't yeah. even figure out uh, internally at the different studios who's making what decisions and why. Uh, Warner Brothers is going to send Zemeckis' film The Witches to uh, paid VOD, but they're content to move Dune and they're content to keep Wonder Woman as right. a theatrical. They're making I wonder choices. how much of that is being driven by uh, the directors, if the directors have much say in it. If Patty Jenkins is, and, and Denis Villeneuve is, are saying uh, 100%, like, hey, we want theaters and we'll wait as long as we need to. But Zemeckis may say, I'm okay with streaming. It's possible that the directors are the ones kind of having some sway in it because it does. You're right. Looking at the decisions by stepping back and figuring out who's moving what to where doesn't make a lot of sense. There, there's no through line. There's no like sort of Zero. example that we can look at and go, this is what everyone is doing. Yeah. And that makes sense. Who's the studio for War with Grandpa? It's called 101 Studios. And like, and, and to me... I feel like they could have had a major cash grab this weekend yeah. sure. because, you know, I mean, yes, you have a bunch of things hitting Netflix. You have Hubie Halloween and we'll get into all that with the weekend movies. But I feel like that's a perfect movie for families. And I feel and like it, they're going to miss out on millions. And I hasn't think. it been sort of a weird path for that movie to be like, wasn't it shot? It was like shot three years ago yeah. under the Weinstein umbrella. And then all the stuff with Weinstein was going on. So it ended up being delayed. In fact, it was kind of strange. I don't know if you were sort of taken aback, Kevin. We, you know, we both, we saw the movie in order to do the interviews and then we like the kids popped up on my screen and I was like, oh, you guys got old. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't until afterward that I realized that it's been like three, four years since yeah. they actually filmed because it was supposed to come out three years ago, yeah. which means they filmed it probably three and a half, four years ago. So I was, I was expecting a certain looking <laughs> kid to pop up on my screen. And when he popped up, I was like, hey, he had a beard. It was a whole thing. War yeah. ages you, Jake. Apparently. War with Grandpa. Uh, breaking yeah. news from our interviews in Cinema Blend about War with Grandpa. Robert De Niro has not seen Joe Pesci's Home Alone. Wow. All right, now that... That's, that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty good, De Niro. I, am I surprised by that? Do you think De Niro watches movies? He's probably not a movie guy. I don't know. I, I don't, do you think De Niro's I, a movie guy? I think guy? he watches certain movies. I, like, I, I think if, if Scorsese, when Scorsese puts a movie out, he'll watch it, even if he's not but, in it. But not seeing Home Alone, that's like... First of all, he's friends with Joe Pesci. Right. Home Alone is is classic. It's Would like an iconic. Would you want to see Pesci in it? I'd want to see Pesci in it if I was friends Dude, with him. I Pesci promise is... you, Pesci is not watching War with Grandpa. <laughs> well, why would he? But, Pe <laughs> but, but, but Home Alone is great. Home yeah. Alone is. Uh, I mean, like that's the thing. As is like, Home like... Alone too. 
I love Home Alone. I too. love Home Alone too, dude. The shower scene in Home Alone too, when he like re re. <laughs> I, I think I I still think one of the coolest pieces of movie <laughs> trivia ever is are those fake movies within Home Alone. I always Alone. thought and those Jay- were real. Me too, for the longest time, because they're based on like old, like I think like James Cagney films or whatever. Yeah. But like, they're, what, what one's called Angels with Filthy Souls, the other one's called Angels with Even Filthier Souls. That's the second <laughs> one, and they shot. And I, I just find it, I find it so amazing that they actually went out and shot those. Wait, does he like, use? Because um, I haven't seen Lost in New York. Is he used? The you've same never seen bit? Lost in New York. If There's I another did, one. I saw it as a kid. So he does it on the TV to fool people again. Yeah, in a yeah. hotel, it, in the, okay, in the, the Plaza Hotel. Okay. <laughs> it's it's called uh, the, Seven, the, the one five in, nine three thousand. Yeah. I don't know why. I Angels with even filthier souls. You know, you know the McAllister like, house is just like right down the road. That's right. Not yeah, the Burbs, sure. of course. Yeah. I, is it the I same house that they use for Uncle Buck? No, not Uncle Buck for planes, trains, and automobiles. I don't know. It would make well because John Hughes did all the stuff around, like the 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 high school from Breakfast Club is down the road. Can, can um, we the, just, both houses from Ferris Bueller are here. I told you guys I showed take, PJ Breakfast Club and it bombed, right? And I mentioned that. Uh, maybe. Oh. How old is he? 16. Maybe he needs to be like more. I don't know. That's high school. I was about to but say, right maybe he needs wheelhouse. to. Yeah, I feel like that's. High should, that should be relatable. I have different. a confession. I like Breakfast Club. I don't love Breakfast Club. Ah, I, ah, like, ah. I, I, I like Breakfast Club. By the way, uh, I'm only going to take this opportunity because you mentioned the movie. We need to just celebrate one day on this show that Uncle Buck is a masterpiece. That's great. That movie is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, we've, yeah, we've done John Hughes. <laughs> Remember the big pancake? <laughs> and then the, the drill bit? <laughs> so All right, good. so we kind of touched on this about Cineworld closing and Regal movie theaters in general um, for the foreseeable future closing. I find it strange that they are closing because they theoretically are saying there's not any product to show. So we can't um, keep our employees here. It doesn't make sense financially to keep our employees here because people aren't really responding to the retro programming. But then AMC and Cinemark are okay with staying open. I thought that was odd that those two are going against each other. There is one thing that Cinemark is doing that I find really interesting, which is bringing Alita Battle Angel uh, back to theaters and they are almost like listening to the fan base that is pushing really hard to get that re-released in theaters and i would like to see them get a chance to to show how strong that fan base is and maybe get a sequel made so why not delay the re-release till theaters are back to some type of normalcy like i feel um, like no, is anyone gonna go well that's the th- i think that if you pre if you program in something like that that's super unique they'll go they'll go like let's mm. say that tarantino used this ability to do a wide-ish release for the whole bloody affair. Like, wouldn't would you go? go? You'd go, yeah. right? Because that's oh, something yeah. that you don't get to see on the big screen that often. Well, also, that, Cinemark is yeah. doing something that I wish AMC were doing because I, I, I'm surrounded by AMC theaters, but not Cinemark. Cinemark, for like a hundred bucks, will let you rent out a theater to yourself. Yes. Like, that's not I would do that. Like, I think yeah. it depends. I yeah. think it's like 150 for if you want, if you want it for Tenet, it's like 150. If you want it for Empire Strikes Back, it's 100. I would pay 100 bucks and go sit in a theater by myself and watch Empire yeah. Strikes Back. I, I have a, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Jake. Go no, ahead. I, 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 I wish more theaters would do that. And also, like, publicize it. Like, publicize the fact that, like, for 100 bucks, you could have an entire theater so wait, to yourself. On. You could get the entire theater, but then could you invite as many? Yeah. People oh, yeah. As you can invite. To... You can invite like for you know. I, I'm I think sh- there's up limits. to a certain like, extent. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. I I'm think sure you have like, to abide example, by. 
Yeah, uh, but I think I think you have to like. For example, I uh, I know a guy who uh, runs two movie theaters in Fairfax, Virginia. One of them, I'll give him a shout out. He's awesome. University Mall Theaters and Cinema Arts Theaters were two theaters I used to go to in college all the time. They're next to George Mason University, and he emailed me the other day that he's renting out his theaters for a hundred dollars, and I believe you can bring like fifteen people up to fifteen people. So you just divide that by fifteen with your friends, yeah. and they have concessions. And he's he's running like he has Trial of the Chicago Seven at Cinema Arts wow. right now. Um, uh, and now I don't know if I have to double check if the, um, the theater rental is for cinema arts. It might just be for university mall theaters, but either way, check out him. If you live in our area, cause he's doing like, you can like bring your whole family to a movie basically. That's and like, pretty cool. and then no one else is in there and you get your concessions and things like that. But you know, I, 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 I res- I'm really happy that, that Netflix is still pushing stuff theatrically a little bit, you know, right. even if like, sure. I, I would love to seek Mank out in a theater. Yes. I, I, I would love to see Mankin yeah. on the big screen, but yeah. you know, I'm certain gonna, filmmakers I, yeah. I think warrant it. And we have films by them coming. Paul Greengrass has that Tom Hanks movie that I know I'm going to want to see on a bigger, a bigger screen. Uh, Mank, like you mentioned, obviously um, there was one other one too, that I knew for sure I would want to see later. Oh, Clooney's movie, Clooney's movie, yeah. the science fiction yeah. film that he wants, that he's, I just got, got the book to read later in the year. Nice. See, so there's Jake, a lot what's of the, Jake, what's the deal on the Greengrass movie? I, I didn't see the trailer for it yet. Uh, oh, is that later on? Later on? Okay, sorry. Yeah, my apologies. Oh, news of the world trailer. Oh, there was a trailer. Shoot. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Why, why do you think I was texting that. you guys about it? I thought that they just showed a photo, like an image. No, there was yeah, a trailer. Actually, I, I didn't watch it yet. I yeah. clicked the link. All right, let's talk about Jamie Fox in Spider Man Three really fast. Um, I have a lot of theories about this, but I want to ask you guys this first and foremost: Do you find it really puzzling that the Marvel Cinematic Universe third Spider Man movie? is bringing back an actor from the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies to play the same character. If that's the, to me, that's a giant waving flag. I I don't think he's going to be the only person from the movie, from the other Spider-Man films to show up. Okay. I think like Andrew Garfield would show up. I think they're going to strongly start hinting. And also, aren't we getting um, uh, Dr. Strange first? No, this will come first. We're getting Spider-Man first. Yes. WandaVision I, I, is going to okay. open up the WandaVision is going to open up the door to the multiverse. Okay. Wanda is going to show up in Doctor Strange, but part of this Marvel shuffle has now moved Doctor Strange back yeah. behind Spider-Man. I think Jamie Foxx is going to have to show up. Yes. And when he sees Tom Holland, he's going to have to make some kind of a comment about right. like wait, are you a new Spider-Man? Like, wait, you're not, you're not Spider-Man. You're not the, like, something has to happen. Like, this is maybe going to break open the, like, the, even the possibility of like, wait, like, you're not, you're not Spider-Man. You're not the guy I fought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, Sean, stupid, that's stupid true. question for you. Into the Spider-Verse obviously had nothing, it, it doesn't play into the MCU, but Correct. that was, but that was a big introduction of the multiverse specifically in, in, in that aspect. So I, 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 it's such an interesting thing that those two films couldn't be, Somehow, I was going to say, I'm curious. I'm curious to find out how much of an influence the success of that movie had on them being able, being open to doing this kind of stuff. Because I think that because that's such a beloved movie and people just understood like there are different Spider-Men and I'm familiar with all of this and it, and it completely worked. I wouldn't be surprised if we find out years down the line. They're like, oh, when that worked, we were like, oh, we but can I, do this crazy. But I still idea. feel like, yes, like it worked within our bubble. And I feel like within our film bubble, like it really introduced a lot of us to the multiverse. I still find that the average moviegoer out there, the people that watch our morning shows, Kevin, 
we still are going to have to explain to them the concept of the multiverse. And we're going to have to explain to them the whole idea of, because like, keep in mind, like, like Spider-Verse did well, but it didn't do astronomically well. Like, like, you know, like in the same way that it took a while for the MCU to pan out, it's going to take a while for people to be able to wrap their brains around this whole, you know, but um, the CW DC shows have now done it. Uh, by bleeding over their flash sure. arrow. But even those shows like don't do well. And I'm, I'm still 100%. having people come to me about like, wait, I don't understand how Michael Keaton's coming back. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still having, you know, like, like, you know, like Kevin, you talk about your anchors. I have like producers writing me like, wait, like it's, it's Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton. Like what, what is it? So like, I still like as excited as we all are because like it's in our wheelhouse. Yeah. I still think it's going to be a slow and steady process because you know, you've got to, you've got to make sure the average person at home understands why so, all these people are in the same movie. So here's my theory. Then this is how I think that they can get to it. I think you can introduce Electro in this third Spider-Man movie, proving that there is now um, a, a, a transition from the Andrew Garfield uh, world into the Tom Holland world so that when they build to a Sinister Six movie, mm-hmm. that is the threat that warrants the need for the three oh! Spider-Men to come together. Like, wait, so who's a, all in the Sinister Six? We know it's it's Keaton. Well, you would have Keaton. You would have Hall. Yeah. Uh, Jer- Jared Leto. You would have Jared Leto as Morbius. You could bring in Michael Mando, who's been teased as the Scorpion. He was in Homecoming. Okay. You could have uh, Jamie Foxx as Mysterio, and you could bring over Tom Hardy as Venom. Uh, uh, Jamie Foxx is as uh, Electro. As Electro, yeah, yeah. But haven't they kind of been playing Tom Hardy as like the hero though? Like, wasn't like that was one of my my knocks against yeah. Venom? Is that like he wasn't the bad guy, dude? Is oh, there Venom? any chance yeah. they would bring back uh, Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin? There's a chance hmm. for sure. I would rather or he them died bring back, though. Uh, oh yeah, he did. Um, I'd rather have them bring back Alfred Molina as Doctor Octopus. Truthfully, oh, he was great. God, he Which is great. surprising because you don't love that movie. That's my favorite Spider-Man film next to Far From Home. And I I love Alfred Molina in that I movie. I like it a lot. I think it made a couple of changes to his origin that bother me. But yeah. I'd rather see him come back than Thomas Hayden oh, Church as a Sandman. Damn it, Sean, why did you throw put that idea in my head? Because now if that's not what happens, I'm going to be so... Because that's such a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh. a, it's a billion dollar idea. It's oh, a, it is a, a billion dollar idea. idea. If you're so, if you're building up your Sony verse, yes, and you introduce a Sinister Six, it's such an intimidating threat that they have to use the multiverse. So is the Sinister Spider-Man. Six movie the movie that brings all three Spider-Men together, or is there a Sinister Six movie and then another movie with the three Spider-Men? No, I would <laughs> so, assume that would be the one that brings them all. Oh, I want this. That's what I I'm would not going to lie to you. J- Jacob's talking about like we're in this film bubble. I'm confused by this stuff. Like this stuff <laughs> confuses me. I, I, I honestly that I, I it, it, there's so much. And I think like it's going to be they're going to have to really hammer it into audiences. Like Jake yeah. was saying, Jake, uh, uh, just I want to bring this up real quick because you asked Tom Holland about this at mm-hmm. the far from home junket. What did. did you say? Uh, at first he defla- Well, it was funny because it was almost as if. At least the other two people in the room, because as we've talked about often, Zendaya was also in the room as well as, Jacob, as, as well as Jacob Adelon. And when I asked the he question, was? both he was as, as I, I, when I, I asked the question, photo. he's there. He's there. <laughs> it was a weird angle. Um, both okay. Jacob Adelon and Zendaya both sort of perked up and going like, oh, wow, that's cool. like almost as if like they hadn't really thought about it or it hadn't been brought up. And they were both like, oh, that's cool. That's really cool. That's all. What like, could we do that? Would we want to do that? Yeah. And Tom Holland just sort of sat there. He and was then they very all, they, quiet. He was very quiet. And then they both kind of like looked at him 
And then they started dying laughing as if like he knew something. And then he kind of started trying to give like this generic junket answer that didn't play to the question. And then kind of paused and goes, no, like, of course, it would be awesome if we could get all the guys in a movie like that would be, you know. But there was definitely it was interesting that the two of them, Zendaya and Jacob, their initial reaction was like, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. That sounds cool. And Tom just was very silent in how he goes. You know, Tom obviously has the reputation of spoiling stuff. And, it, of and, and maybe I'm overthinking it, but I don't know if you guys seen the, have seen the video. It really seemed like he was holding something back. I watched it recently and I, yeah. I noticed how quiet he was being, which makes me think like, I, I can't imagine how often you are around the Marvel uh, offices. And I think John Watts told us this when we were having our spoiler conversation with him, where he's just like every room you look into, someone's working on a, a, yeah. an anticipated mm-hmm. project that there there aren't meetings where they say to Tom Holland, yeah, and then eventually we'll just get to a point where we can build up to a Sinister Six and maybe we'll bring yeah. in Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. Yeah. And he has to sit on that, yeah. you know, and, and and not reveal it in any way, shape, or form. Whereas yeah. I'd be grabbing everybody I could find and being like, guess what they're going to do? Yeah. You have no idea. Yeah. They're talking about this. Sean, correct me if I'm wrong on this. Yeah. Uh, so we did a podcast interview with John Watts, as Sean just mentioned. If you want to find it, you can search for that it. Was it was fun. actually really cool. We were in yeah. London with him. Um, what did he say again about whether or not the J.K. Simmons's character was not the same J. Jonah Jameson from the Tobey oh, Maguire film? I was confused by that. Correct. He said it's not the same version. Um, but, it's just it's a J. Jonah Jameson. Um, and mm. just simply when they wanted to recast that character... He's so ingrained as J. Jonah Jameson <laughs> that they had to use him, which is why I don't think like when you cast Jamie Foxx as Electro, he doesn't have the same married to the role the way J.K. Simmons does. No. Like if you say yeah. I'm going to bring back J. Jonah Jameson, makeup. everyone's like, oh, my God, you have to get uh, J.K. Simmons or don't bother. But then the minute you say I'm going to bring over Electro, you can say like, well, anyone can play Electro. It's yeah. not like Jamie Foxx puts such a stamp on it. So, yeah. I would also flag that as a, one of those Marvel quotes that they say. And then when you find out there's a multiverse and yeah. that J. Jonah yeah. Jameson is actually just yeah. looks like that in two different universes oh. or whatever. Like well, I can see I mean, that coming back. Also keep in, in mind, being, he had, didn't he have hair in, in uh, far from home and he was, or no, he had hair the in the Maguire. Yeah. yeah. He had hair in the Maguire. Yeah. Like, like yeah. dude, how great would that be? If Tobey Maguire in the new like multiverse Spider-Man sees the ball, J. Jonah Jameson just gets to have just a fun, like, Oh yeah. You're bald in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, there's plenty of things that they could do. To oh my god, I want this movie now. Now at is Tobey Maguire too old to do this? I well, think I guess they, if they, he they, is, you play with that. You run, you run into, into it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can, they can play. It. But I, I, I also. Oh god. I also. That scene is terrible. It's awful. <laughs> so, did Sam Raimi ever apologize for that? No, no, oh. he didn't. No. But well, isn't here, it like it's a, no, he it's just a, stopped making them? Actually. He just stopped making movies. <laughs> but here is that the was his interesting apology. thing. Here's the interesting thing, and but this is unfortunate the way that these movies fall. Sam Raimi is directing Doctor Strange into the multiverse. Amazing. Doctor Strange uh, in the multiverse. Of could Madness. he get? Could is there any way that like they'd give him the back multiverse? They they'd yeah. bring him back to Spider Man. Like or or that's the movie that. Okay, so oh here oh here you go. So you you have the third <laughs> Spider Man movie. You introduce right. Electro, and he's um bleeding over from the multi from the andrew garfield world um andrew garfield's like what are you talking about there's a multiverse there are other versions of spider-man out there that movie ends um it goes to the doctor strange movie doctor strange is going through all the different multiverses and sam raimi brings toby Maguire back mm. and then that feeds into the sinister six movie which is due to come out after where all these villains are now together and doctor strange introduces toby Maguire to 
Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield. How do you get sounds awesome? Here's my question then. So if you have different actors playing Spider-Man. Yes. Why wouldn't you have a different actor playing Electro? If it's a different universe, if it's the multiverse. Well, only because like there theoretically, yes, there would be other Electros out there. There could be right. a, an Electro already in Tom Holland's world. But you're just using that character as someone who comes over from the from the mm. uh, Andrew Garfield world to at least can, show that like there's a character that's that can come over sort of thing. But can Jamie Foxx's Electro uh, actually have uh, interact with Tom Holland's Spider-Man? Sure. Yeah. If he if he oh, comes over yeah. into the into okay. Tom Holland's version of the universe, because yeah. in like into like I'm just thinking of Spider Man into the Spider Verse, right? Yeah. There were different there there was a female Spider Man. There you know there was a multiple different Spider Man. So I'm mm-hmm. just trying to understand how this all works. I yeah. mean, it's really like Spider Verse actually did a really good job of making it concise, um, to a point where I understood it. I just because yeah, like just enough changes with the origin in each of the different universes to make them mm. different. Like in the Spider-Gwen universe, she's the one who gets bit instead of Peter. It's just that slight tweak, you know, so you're like, oh, okay, well, that's that's the origin story of that universe's Spider-Man kind of thing. It's basically the equivalent of like when you're a kid and you have all these like different toys from different series, like and you play with them all together. Like you you didn't say like, oh, like, you know, these Ninja Turtles can't play with these Ninja Turtles because they're from two different series. You just kind of like played it like that's basically like now all the kids that grew up doing that are now doing it cinematically. They're doing it in movies. So it's could we theoretically see a scene where Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and Tobey Maguire team up as three Spider-Mans and fight people? I think yes. we're going to see that. Yes. Like, that would be But then again, insane. I also thought we were going to see a scene with Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Princess Leia, and we never got that either. Uh, well, that we maybe would have gotten that, yeah. We might have. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I might well believe that we would have probably gotten to that point. Han well, died in seven. How are we going to do, do that? Kill Han in seven. Oh. He showed back up in nine. Yeah, he showed back up in nine. Yeah. They could have done it as a... Oh, God, yes. I forgot that was a scene. <laughs> oh, I love, no, I love that scene. I, I like love that scene. scene. I like that hey he kid? kid. Hey, yeah. kid. I, I'm, I'm with, I'm with, I'm with Jake on that like scene. an astral projection of Han? That was a force ghost. No, I, yeah, right? I, but I think, I think, I think we, didn't we all chalk that up to, that's probably a scene that was meant for Carrie that she never got to shoot. Mm. It wasn't that the theory. That's a good point. I didn't think yeah. about that. That it was originally going to be his mother, and that was because it was. I Carrie think that story was, was going to be very much heavy on Carrie's relationship. Yeah, I mean, well, the, like the they always said that it was supposed to be Carrie's they, movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but it right. makes sense that it's Han because Han he killed him. He killed yeah. his father. Yeah, 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 it doesn't make but sense. I think if it had been Carrie, not a Jedi. Yeah. So it couldn't be a Force Let's ghost. Let's stop talking Can he be a Force? Can Han be a Force ghost? No, he's not a Jedi. No, he can't be. You're right. If Ray can be a Palpatine, then all bets are off. Anybody can be anything. <laughs> All right. Uh, the trailer for the 350, 355 dropped, uh, and this looks like a combination of Bourne and James Bond with some high profile female actresses. And um, so I'm going to say this and I'm probably going to get slammed uh, because I totally understand what they're trying to do. They would like to do um, a female driven uh, action franchise and, and there's some badass women in it. But the trailer didn't do anything to excite me as a spy action thriller. Like it kind of looked a little bit generic and I want to give it points for, for what it's trying to do with casting. And it has a very diverse uh, ensemble and, you know, it's putting them through the, the rigors of, of, you know, what you might see in a spy thriller. It's just nothing grabbed me in terms of saying like, 
oh, that's going to really stand out. And the director is the director Sean Levy or someone like it's that. Simon it's, Kinberg. Oh, Simon Kinberg. Okay, same thing. Yeah. Interchangeable. I just. I, I, well, no, I Levy's a really Levy's a good director. Okay, I like see, Sean Levy. maybe then then maybe it's Kinberg, but it's, I just isn't screwed. it three five five? It is. What is am it, I saying? And I, and it might 355. be Levy, not Levy. But, 355? Yeah. Isn't it 355? 355. It's, it's like the 7500 debate. I that was Yeah, it was like 7500, 7500. I, I like think all those I think, actresses, yeah. And, I, yeah. and I'm sure that they're going to be entertaining to watch, but that trailer did not do anything to make me say like, like when I saw the trailer for Atomic Blonde, I was like, oh, all right, damn, that's going to kick ass. I saw this one and I thought like, oh, someone's doing a watered down spy thriller. I, 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 I mean, think they're relying very heavily on like, we don't you want to see all of these actresses together on the screen at yeah. one time? Like, like, you know, I think that the, the plot itself is uh, a distant afterthought. I think for I think for me, visually, I thought the trailer looked cool. I mean, I, I didn't again, it, like the story particularly didn't grab me. I just was intrigued to see like Lupita and, 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 and Chastain and everybody together. But Kinberg, I mean, Dark Phoenix was not good. Nope. Um, and I, I, I just I don't know that. Again, I don't nothing Kinberg has done from a directing standpoint, which was just Dark Phoenix. And he did a Twilight Zone episode um, ha, excites me for that. Now, this it, I think the trailer didn't have a voice on it. It just felt like a trailer for like an action film. Yes. You know what I mean, like, I, I, yeah, I, I, and, I, and I feel like like if it was if this was directed by like I'm just trying to think of like Michael Bay or whoever, uh, whatever directors are out there. Mm-hmm. It, it, Tim nothing, Miller. S- nothing sang for me from like a voice standpoint. Yeah. I mean, I'm very excited to see all these actors together. I think like the action looks really cool. I think there's some cool slow-mo stuff, whatever. But I, I just it, it, it almost felt like the ocean, an oceans movie a little bit, um, a little bit as well. And I, I think I don't know. I think Kinberg needs uh, Kinberg hasn't excited me yet as a director. And I think uh, I, I'm not ready yet. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, it could be cool. You never know. Ch- Chastain is a great actor. She does great projects. She's generally in good films. Like think about Chastain's record. I mean, sure. Everybody from yeah. Ridley Scott to uh, Malick to I mean, it's amazing who she's worked with. So I I, I have to imagine that if it's and, a script that she read and took it. And you talk about it. Dark Phoenix, you know, I, I, I really wonder how much Dark Phoenix was out of his hands mm-hmm. and how much of that really got screwed over by Marvel and got screwed over by Fox and just with everything that was going on. Because keep in mind, like that, that, that means, like, Jessica Chastain could have had too bad of an experience making that with him. Otherwise, she wouldn't make a second film yeah, with a, him. So good, I feel that the point. fact that she's back with him again says that she saw something in their experience well, together. Kinberg is a brilliant producer. I mean, the guy the guy has produced some of the yeah, biggest movies if, of all time. Yeah, I yeah. think she, like, to your point, like, she's worked with enough amazing filmmakers yeah. that she would know if the guy had the stuff or not. And she's she, so you wasted know, and, in Dark Phoenix. Oh, it's that so character bad. is so nothing. Yeah, that character is so nothing. Um, with all due respect to Diane Kruger, though, I see like she's the blonde uh, British agent, I believe. Like, how is that not Charlize? Like, don't you have to get Charlize for that for that role? I just I, feel like she has to be the one alongside Chastain. I think I think the two Lupita. of them charge very different. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. That's right. Either way, I mean, like, uh, it's one of those things where I think, yes, I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited for any new movie. And I'll always give it a fair shot. But trailer itself didn't grab me. It, I, it I, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But I mean, you know, it could be great. All right, didn't watch this, but Jake, you did. News of the World trailer. Tom Hanks, yes. Paul Greengrass. Tell us yes. all about it. Um, it looks fantastic. Really looks like a, um, basically Tom Hanks has to get this young girl from A to B, like through like the old west. 
And along the way are people that don't want them to get there or want to intervene or want this young girl. Okay. And uh, I mean, Greengrass doing Old West, Tom Hanks doing Old West in like an old school, like protective role. I, I was trying to remember, I was trying to rack my brain, like Tom Hanks hasn't really done Old West or done this genre, has he? I was trying to, no. I, was, I was, and, and it just like, it, he just fits the, you know, and granted, yes, the role itself is of a like kind, fatherly, protective person, which hanks nails yeah. um but it also feels different because we've never really seen him in that environment he's got the beard he's got the hat um at one point he does refer to himself as captain which i was just <laughs> sort of like god Greengrass has a thing for tom hanks as captains but um <laughs> it just it, you know i i mean i'm sold i mean i'm the wrong either the wrong or the right person to ask about this because i'm behind the eight ball when it comes to i mean a prestige it? picture with uh, tom hanks though i will say of the tom hanks movies that were going to come out this year um remember this month we were supposed to get the one that i really wanted to see which is the one about uh, where he's it's post-apocalyptic oh, yeah and he's dying and he has a dog so he oh, yeah. is building a robot to take care of his dog what happened like, in that movie i got delayed it got pushed mm. back bios mm. i think it's called yes right, right like right. that plot I, I feel like like someone was like what's gonna make jake cry like tom <laughs> hanks about to die so let's take <laughs> him so he needs to take care of his dog like done <laughs> in a box does this movie have the green grass visual aesthetic i saw someone tweet that they said that it did have the green grass shaky cam i did not notice that i did okay. not know to me it didn't it doesn't seem like a boring movie or even to the degree that captain phillips was yeah. I, and granted maybe if, maybe i was too focused on like oh my god it's a tom hanks movie um i just watched it once hmm. but uh, uh it's, a, it's a quick trailer it's only like a, maybe a hair over 60 seconds um, so it's based on a book oh i did not know that yeah i didn't know i'm, I'm looking at it right now i didn't oh, know okay. that either i don't want to pretend like but, i know um, that information but, but uh <laughs> no but I, I i did not it didn't particularly stand out to me that it was like super shaky cam but we think and this is coming to theaters or is it a streamer? I well, is it Apple? Uh, no, it's no. Universal. Oh, it's Universal. OK, yeah. I think. Oh, you know, uh, uh, Sean, I think you mentioned this earlier. With the, remember, the yeah, Universal so AMC has, the has this deal uh, yeah. with Universal where they are OK with their movies going to paid VOD as long as they give them some theatrical like 17 window. 17 days or something. Is it 14 or 17 days? 17. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing here that it's scheduled for release on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right now it is. Yeah. But you know how it goes. Well, that could be that's traditional two awards consideration, but awards sure. consideration goes into February now at sure. this point. Um, and, 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 you know, and, one of the things I talked about in our text thread, which is that, like, at the end of the day, this is a very thin Oscar year. Oh, my gosh. And there have to be studios looking Tenet. at this going, like, I don't think Tenet was beloved enough Tenet. to be. You know, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be your Oscar darling, brother. I don't. I know. Well, I think, done, I, I think it could be. Maybe yeah. it could be Fincher's year. Um, but uh, I, I think studios kind of have to start looking and going like, hey, like maybe this is our chance to win an Oscar. Like maybe this is our chance to like. I mean, like with, with a with a uh, you know competition pool that shallow. Okay, so does does a win this year have an asterisk alongside of it, like the Astros when they won the World Series? We. Didn't we discuss, didn't we have a whole argument about this at one point in the show about like <laughs> the Oscar changes and like the, cause wait, so the, sure the, the new deal now is this, right? Like anything that was put to streaming that was originally. Oh, even their logo kind of looks like an asterisk. Yeah. I never noticed that. Oh yeah. It's like a, st- like a, st- like an it's asterisk. Pretty star. It's pretty yeah. appropriate. I actually didn't notice that either until just now. <laughs> you guys know that we've won four playoff games in a row, right? Like yeah, you, yeah. you guys know that we're one winner away from going from the, uh, to the, uh. Uh, American uh, League Championship Series. Anybody check the trash cans? <laughs> <laughs> I hate this fucking show. Uh, yeah, so anyway, I, uh, this Oscar race is going to be fascinating for various reasons. I'm sure there are going to be very qualified films uh, that we're going to be seeing in the next few weeks and months that will qualify, but something about the entire thing is going to be 
feeling really weird. So you're going to want to keep it locked here onto Rivaland for impossible question conversation. Impossible question. Jake, you're going to hate me, but I'm going to ask it. If the Oscars happened tomorrow, what would win from this year right now? Oh, that's a good question. And Trial of the Chicago 7 does count because it was released on, on October or uh, in theaters in September 30th. What wins Best Picture? What would win Best Picture right now? I that, think that, that, yeah. I think enough people at least, I mean, knowing how like voting works, I think enough people like Chicago 7 to, uh, for that to be Best Picture right now. Yeah, if I was not predicting the Oscars, yeah. I would predict that. I mean, it's it, it's it, it's not really divisive. Like everyone universe, like everyone exists somewhere between liking it and loving it. Um, right. It's it's reflective of of what is going on today, which Oscar loves. What about um, Defy Bloods? Chadwick, I feel like Spike Defy Lee. Bloods has cooled down. Yes. I feel that I think too. they're going to ramp back up Delroy, though. But do I, you, but do you do, okay, do, Delroy, do you, yes. But do you sense uh, an urgency for trial, though? I don't feel trial buzz. Not yet. I, I, I think because not enough people have seen it. I but sense the people a, that have seen it. I sense a lot of heat around One Night in Miami. Yes, yeah. uh, that, that yeah, but is yeah, buzz but, I mean, but, but aside from, get, yeah. uh, like, the, the, a few people out of the festivals, like, people haven't yeah. really seen it, right? Yes, but that that's feels good, like the movie yeah. that we need to see right now. Yeah. All right. Gabe is reminding us that we can pick this up in a larger discussion in the coming weeks because, yes, we started this show as awards blend. It's something that we all love talking about. And uh, this is going to be an unusual award season to track. So make sure you're here every single week to get our feedback uh, on how we feel about how things are going. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Um, this week in movies, opening theatrically, October 9th, as we discussed earlier, The War with Grandpa. Who saw The War with Grandpa? I know you guys did interviews. Jake, how is it? It's one of the worst movies I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we, we use this expression oh, a lot. No. Like, I often think like like joking, but like I genuinely felt bad for Robert De Niro. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and and also like here's here's sort of my big issue, and maybe this is just me like getting old and turning curmudgeon-y, but the premise of the movie 
I ha- I just have a really big problem with, and I could not get over it enough <laughs> to at least turn off my mind and enjoy the movie, which is basically like a, a an older gentleman, Robert De Niro, his wife passes away, he's alone in his house having a tough time like going out and shopping and doing stuff on his own so his kids say like hey come live with us and this little shit of a grandchild of his gets all pissy because they give robert de niro his room so he starts doing really mean things to his grandpa because he's pissed off that he had to give his elderly grand like like like, I, like, like, like yeah, really like mean, nasty stuff and it's just yeah. like i'm like okay you little asshole like i'm sorry <laughs> that, that your father who lost his wife who is having a hard time later in life has to come live with you but like like get over it get over yourself like and so the whole premise is that you're supposed to think it's funny that this yeah. little shit of a kid is being mean to his grandpa because yeah. like he took his it boils down to you took my room like that's what it and so I, I, aside yeah. from the fact that it's poorly written and poorly acted and has a lot of amazing actors doing really embarrassing things, I could not get over what I thought was just a really mean, nasty premise. And Jake brings up an interesting point because it, it, you have to buy into it. Like with Home Alone, for example, when he when 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 Macaulay Culkin tortures Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. Yeah, but those are like those are bad guys. Yeah, but right, yeah, they're, right, they're, right, they're criminals. Right. They're trying to break into his home. Right, and you're rooting for it. It's like sure. fun to watch. Like, 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 basically, if you imagine like what Macaulay Culkin was doing to Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, but yeah. a, but a kid doing it to his grandpa for taking his room <laughs> yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, that's what you have to understand. And yeah. I think Jake, Jake does bring up a good point. It's hard to kind of cross that barrier because you're like, why would you? Like, there's one point where doesn't he like? Doesn't he like uh, screw out the screws of the bed and he like gets in the bed mm-hmm. and he falls? And I'm like. How much work is it yeah. going to be to put that bed back together? Yeah. Oh, like, not just that. At one point, he like that. spills marbles all over the place, <laughs> yeah. and like De Niro yeah. slips and like falls on the ground on the marbles. It's just like you could have like like bro, like you could have like killed your grandfather. Like, Did like, De Niro like, do his own stunts? Do you think? You yeah. bet he does. <laughs> I am thankful for the marbles scene only because well, it led yeah, to a question. Yeah, that was a great question. Yeah, well, because I I ended up asking the we because Jake and I did the junket for it and um. There's something surreal, and Jake can attest to this too. When you pop up in the middle of Robert De Niro's living room, and he's like sitting in front of his fireplace, and you're seeing what's on his mantle, and it's like, yeah, I, did, I, did you? I, I, I did. I, I like try to yeah. do like a decipher of like what the hell you got on your mantle. Oh, I've been breaking it all. There's like yeah. I'm looking at it, and like I try to do me, like the CSI thing, like enhance. <laughs> Enhance. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Cr- I mean, it was like. There, I mean, no, no. Even though he was with like the two kids from the film, we're still in Robert Wise home. Yeah, but but it, yeah, he battled on them. Um, no, but at one point, um, I, I just brought up this question about the marbles in the film because basically the, the marbles is it, it's tied to this bit where like every house that he built, his character built, he saved a marble for each house or whatever. Um, so I just asked him like, listen, Mr. De Niro, I'm technically virtually in your home right now do you you know did you do you have any of your you know movie props and stuff like that and he was like he started telling me that all oh, by the way jake all of his props are at university of texas which i, which I didn't know i wonder why every, i don't i don't know i didn't have time yeah. to follow up but they he's like have all an my extensive s- library there yeah yeah but, and then he starts telling me this random story about when he was sh- like he just nonchalantly said and i'm paraphrasing but this was it was as if it was me saying hey jake how you doing today he goes yeah, I, I, they handed me these boots from Bonnie and Clyde so I could use them in Godfather Part 2. Like, you just dropped two of the most classic, <laughs> insane films. I mean, you're, you, he, he said Godfather 2 as if it was just a normal breath for yeah, him. Yeah, like, yeah. it was. Well, it like, is so, to him. Yeah. For him, know, it's just a thing he was in. another day on the job. But to hear him yeah. say that in his living room while talking to me and through my computer screen, 
That was it's cool. A, it's like us talking yeah. about real blind episodes. Yeah. It's not too. It's, it's no different. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> the yeah. war with grandpa story reminds me of a personal uh, recollection. Uh, when I first realized how much power we had as mischievous kids, it was New Year's Eve. And I want I'm trying to guess how old I was. I might have been like third or fourth grade. And my older cousin would have been like fifth or sixth grade. He's a few years older than, they, than we are. And my grandpa moved in with us uh, and lived in our house after he was um, in an accident. He was getting off of a train and his leg got caught between the train and the platform and broke so badly that he wasn't. He basically was immobile. So he moved in with us and moved downstairs, which sounds very similar to the war with grandpa uh, premise. However, I wasn't always mean to my grandpa, but on New Year's Eve, he agreed to babysit us so that our parents were able to go out. My uh, aunt and uncle and my mom and dad. And we snuck downstairs at my cousin's urging and we got um, pots and metallic spoons. And at midnight, we were planning on banging them together, making a lot of noise. So uh, we did. We opened up all the windows in my bedroom. And at midnight, we started clanking everything together. And my grandfather was probably fast asleep and got up from his chair and had to, like, drag himself over to the bottom of the stairs with his bad leg and scream up the stairs like, stop making all that noise. What are you two doing? And we stopped. And my cousin, I'll never forget this ever. I can visualize it right now. He turned to me and he goes, he can't come up the stairs. Keep going. <laughs> and we did. We just kept banging all the stuff together. Jeez. And I still feel horrible about it. But it was true. He couldn't come up and stop. Us. And then he your grandfather powerless. forced you to watch Forrest Gump the next day. Yes, he did. And yes, that's that why you hate it. Full circle. <laughs> there we go. Uh, all right. Hubie Halloween. So um, this movie, I will say, is uh, a lot funnier than I expected it to be. Um, yeah. Sandler's Netflix c- movies have not set a great precedent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have been largely really lazy and just excuses for him to get together with his friends and do whatever they want to do. And again, I can't besmirch him. We just had a long conversation on Cinema Blend for a video that we did for the YouTube channel about why critics give Adam Sandler so much guff. And we got along the idea of that you tend to want to champion sophisticated comedy and that Sandler is very happy to go for the lowest lowbrow comedy. And and Hubie Halloween is absolutely loaded with the lowest of lowbrow comedy. I mean, there's a, a, a scene very early on where... Uh, Kids try to throw eggs at him as he's riding the bike along. <laughs> That's right. And, they, and he catches them. They, well, first they miss him. And he says, mm, you missed. Yoke's on you. And it's like, that's even bad for Real Blend, right? Like, that shouldn't be on this podcast. I think that is fits into Real Blend perfectly. I'm sorry, that so then the next laugh. few kids throw eggs at him, and he miraculously catches them in this uh, um, thermos, a thermos yeah. that he carries around with them, catches right. them all. And then he goes, mm, thanks for breakfast. And he chugs the <laughs> eggs and he goes, mm, Rocky Balboa style. And then he projectile vomits. In all one while shot. he's riding the bike, he projectile vomits. But it's so comically overdone. You could see like right. the hose behind him just like streaming vomit out. And all of this is happening. And I'm like, what is this movie? What is going on? You guys are really selling it. But... I had to admire the fact that it just leaned into the the stupidity of it all. Like, it's just him doing another character with just a weird voice. Um, he's an immature man-child who lives at home with his mom, like he does in every other Adam Sandler movie. It's like Waterboy. Um, he has a uh, a gorgeous love interest, uh, because whenever Adam Sandler puts a, the template together, he gets a gorgeous love interest. In this case, it's Julie Bowen, who's back from... Um, 
Happy, Happy Gilmore. Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Yeah. But and and then but there are so many jokes throughout it that are just <laughs> from the Happy Gilmore universe. Some of them just blatant characters who return. Some of them sort of offbeat references to it. And so I'm I'd be lying if I said to you I did not laugh hard multiple times throughout this movie. And so for that reason, I can I can absolutely recommend it. If you've ever liked any of Adam Sandler's comedies, uh, this one works better than the rest of them. Do. Yeah. And we were talking about this earlier, Sean. It's like it's like and again, it's weird because like we're not saying this is a great movie. No, it just made us laugh. Like yeah. and, and again, that could be a product of what's happening in the world right now. It was just like, you know, you you watch something again. That's why I feel like every time you review a film, I think Kim Holcomb, one of our uh, one of the inter- person who does, does interviews uh, in Seattle, she's, she's a great. really great friend of ours. Yeah, she sometimes told me that she would tell people what her mindset was prior going into a movie, and like Hubie Halloween, I think I just threw it on expecting it to not be good, and you know you get off Twitter and whatever political stuff is going on in the country and the world or whatever, and again not making an excuse for it, but it, the movie somehow hit me in a spot and made me laugh. I mean, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I mean, Sean, I mean, I feel like you and I had the same experience. We're like, you know, you sent me a video of a fart scene. It made me, it made me laugh, man. I mean, What's crazy I, I, is Sean sent us that video and I laughed thinking about Kevin watching that scene. I didn't laugh at the scene. I just yeah. pictured Kevin doing that, where he throws his head back, where he does right, the video. Right. I just pictured a, well, just Kevin I honestly, laughing. So I wanted to rewind it and video the vomiting scene because I, <laughs> Just to give you an idea of what it's the one movie shot. is about. I gotta be on it, dude. Like, like, vomit does not make me laugh. Like, the oh, opening no, no. scene of Pitch it's Perfect, not, it, like, does not make me laugh. The it's joke not like you're thinking. It's not gross. Not funny. It's not gross. Yeah. The joke itself is not funny. It's more funny that someone would even think to put it in a movie. Like, you yeah. kind of laugh thinking, like, really? Like, we're doing this kind of thing? But, but like, June Squibb is wearing the craziest shirt. See, that's a funny bit. <laughs> that was every scene she's Just in, she's wearing... Something yeah. incredibly raunchy. She shows on up her in short. a scene with a shirt that says, "I shaved my balls for this," and it's just really funny. Well, what's, here's what's brilliant about Sandler's movies. I rewatched Gilmore and and Big Daddy, like, and I feel like what's brilliant about Sandler's movies. And again, I'm not saying Hubie Halloween's brilliant, but what works about his movies for me are his side characters are really funny. Like his the the little characters. Remember, I agree think with about that. the think about the caddy in Happy Gilmore. Yeah, hilarious. Uh, or uh, you know, like even like like in the, the actors in this movie. Shooter McGavin's fun. Shooter McGavin. McGavin. But even like the it's the little characters. Even the tel- television hosts in Hubie Halloween are funny. Like there's like these little bits. Like I, I feel like again, I'm not saying this is like Citizen Kane writing, but I do feel like there's something funny about the fact that he pays attention to all the little details mm-hmm. of every little character. So if June Squibb's just walking around a scene wearing a shirt that says what Sean just said, they might not even point it out. It's just there, mm-hmm. and it, I, I don't know. I found it funny. Did you did you say that characters from Happy Gilmore show up or actors from Happy Gilmore show up? Both. Uh, Both. I'll say, yeah, can well, you tell? Can oh, I really want to know who? Well, it's it's Wednesday now. Do you want me to say? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I won't say. Don't text me. A, just text me. Here's yeah. all I will say: If you're a fan of Happy Gilmore, don't miss the opening of the film. Yeah, that's fun. I like that. that okay, was, I, that was I, cool. I have a, I have a. Before we move on, I have a, one more question about reviews. Yes. Yeah. We're sorry. I'm sorry, and this is like seven days late. But Kevin, um, since it's October seventh, what, what's your review on the first season of Lost? I was waiting for this. Uh, you know, what? it's <laughs> so funny. I actually. 
practiced this in front of the mirror the other day. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Wait, no. Is that the date that we that no, we started? No, no, no. no, no. It, it, October first was, was the date. Six okay. days ago. Okay. Um. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, I I have not watched it. Have I, you watched I, it any more? No, I have not watched any more. I, I I'm a bad friend. I'm sorry. I um. <laughs> I won't go into specific details. I don't really have an excuse other than. I mean, yeah. you know, there's. We, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I got to I got to watch the finale of uh, Better Call Saul with Sean. So that's true. You win I in that be, scenario. You win. In, in Jake's defense, um, uh, you know, gotta be. Yeah, I gotta admit my failure here. He uh, he he. I we can I give you till till December thirty first. Can I give you well, to the end of twenty twenty? Jake, would it make you feel any better that I do wake up a three or four times a week and I do feel like, oh, wait, when's Jake going to ask me if I watched Lost yet? And I feel like guilty as hell about it. But I but I I was waiting for this to come up on the yeah, show. That and makes I feel a little better. In Kevin's I, defense, everything's been pushed back this year. True. So I feel like he should get more time. <laughs> no, to, but in all honesty, that makes no people, sense whatsoever. <laughs> no, he's, you're, you're saying because he has less to watch, he needs more time to watch it. No, I'm saying that listen, his deadline to reach lost should have been moved back. Like everything else has been moved back. If you go two months, if you go a month back or two months back, we had this exact same conversation where I didn't complete the task the first time. This is the second time Jake is giving me the access to go longer. He Jake I'm, watched I'm going to be on my deathbed and I'm going to be like, Kevin, Watch Lost. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, not even finish Lost. Finish the first season. Well, I, I'm going to argue that that means it didn't hook him, though. No, you know what? Da- you know what? Really, you know what made what me feel bad. Me? This show. You this show. But, ba- but I'm still here. 140 episodes later. True, Jake. You know what made me feel bad though was there was a day a couple weeks ago. I think it was the 10th anniversary of the finale, or was it the 10th anniversary of the show? It was like some Lost anniversary. Oh, Lost having. fans celebrate every anniversary and, of every single episode. I kept thinking to myself, it's exhausting. Jake, it's like, Jake, please don't hate me. Please don't hate oh, me. Uh, no. There have been moments where, yeah, it was like the anniversary of the finale, and I was going to tweet out something. But I, like, I'm so nervous that you're going to see something. Like, I am refraining from celebrating my show out of fear <laughs> of – I mean, you know you know our buddy Chase. Uh, yes. His, his, his social media handles are The Constant – which, if you're a Lost fan, is a massive Lost yeah. reference yeah. that uh, that that you you will appreciate when you get to that episode in about eighty four years. Last episode I watched was the was the numbers. Ooh, four eight, which 15, 16, which 14, was that'd be a cool tattoo to get. Oh, by the way, great tattoo. That'd be a cool tattoo. Uh, I you know what I I need to watch it. And I've I know my word doesn't mean anything now because I've already said twice, <laughs> Jake. I'm gonna watch it. Okay. No, but he Jake is right. I, I should have watched it, and I need to watch it, and I'm sorry that I haven't watched it. Right, I am two, sorry. Two more Genuinely. movies that are coming out. Book The Books of Blood is coming to Hulu on October 7th. Anyone seen Books of Blood? Jake has been nope. mainlining. Uh, Actually, cl- I saw Books of Blood movies. four times instead of watching Lost. <laughs> and Charm <laughs> City Kings <laughs> is another film that's been making the rounds on the film festival circuit. It's a Baltimore film. Um, and yeah, Lauren, bike Lauren covered it. Yeah, Lauren covered it the other day. I, I don't know much about it, but it is. Yeah, you're right. It's a Baltimore-based film. Yeah. Lauren did the junket for it the other day. By the way, speaking of movie theaters, Lauren's actually hosting a screening tonight of? in a theater. What? Uh, Two Hearts, I think is the name of the oh, movie. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. With Jacob, Alo- uh, 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 whatever the guy's name is from The Kissing Battle-on? Booth. Um, Alardi. Oh. <laughs> he was in um, it when he got cut out. <laughs> but I'm, I'm like, going back to our discussion earlier, they're still doing stuff. Like I, I, when Lauren told me that the studio came to her and they were like, we want you to host a screening. I'm like, Are, that's that's they're that's still insane. pushing promo screening. So 
Uh, Jake, talk briefly about The Haunting of Bly Manor, which opens on Netflix on Friday and uh, is bingeable. It's all of every episode drops, right? Yeah, uh, all, it's nine episodes down one from last season, which was 10. OK, um, and look, not too specific because we want to really wait to talk about sure. it until more people have had a chance to see sure. it. But you did the um, interviews, so. Look, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, you know, I think Sean and I both agree, and I think Kevin does too, that the first season, Haunting of Hill House, is, is not just great television. It's like one of the greatest pieces of horror art yeah. or, 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 or honestly just pop culture I have seen. It's one of the best. In, in my life. Yeah, like just, just masterful, masterful television. Yep. Um, so to, to complain that it doesn't reach those heights I think is a little unfair. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, like, I liked it. I mean, I, to, you know, it's, it's much more of a... Um, slow burn gothic horror story which is just personally not as appealing i think sort of my not to get too specifics my biggest complaint i would just say is that it is based on um bly manor which is turn of the screw um and turn of the screw has been adapted like 35 40 times whether you know it or not there you there's a good chance you've seen many adaptations of turn of the screw mm-hmm. um and so while they all they do take that story and go a lot of different unique directions with it this season just felt a lot more familiar. It was it was grounded in a, in a certain level of familiarity than Hill House was, um, and I think that's to a certain degree. Like there there were there were big twists that came in the latter half of the season that I called simply by nature of being familiar of the of, with the source material, okay. and I feel like that's going to be the case. With, with like like I said, I don't want to like call out the things that that Turn of the Screw has been turned into because then you might realize what some of the twists are that are coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I have a feeling I'm not that familiar, or I don't think I am familiar. I think you, I think you are. I think you oh, are. Really? It, okay. And I, okay. and I think that there are. I think you're going to be able to call a lot of the twists. Um, you know, it's it's good. You know, and, and it's. If, but here's what I'll say: is that if I were to give um, Hill House a glowing ten out of ten, then I would give Bly Manor a solid seven out of ten. Okay. Yeah, and I watched the first episode, and just uh, from a purely directing standpoint flanagan directed that episode there are two split diopter shots in that episode that blew my mind like 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 like, like they're just look if you're, if you're a yeah. fan that's of the only episode that he he does though in the season that, right okay. and that and there's a if uh split split diopter shots by the way were very very famously you know they've been made for years but blowout was probably the most like mm-hmm. the best example of what those shots were but flanagan sticks a couple of them in the first episode there's one in particular where Victoria Pedretti is like, you know, her face is up forefront and then the 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 daughter's room is behind her, but it looks closer. That's what a split diopter mm. is. It's awesome. I I, lo- I I I think visually the show looks incredible. I've only oh, seen yeah, it's beautiful. One. It's beautifully made. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think Henry Thomas is, is very good in it. Uh, but Pedretti's great in it. I mean, so far from what yeah. I've seen, um, it's and that's the thing. It's like I, I, this is a hard question to answer. I think it's impossible to even answer it. But if we hadn't seen Hill House, mm. How would we approach this? What, what, I, I still think I would feel because I, I I think I, I tried you know to go I mean? into. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen having seen all nine. I've seen the whole season at this point. I went into it knowing it probably wasn't going to match Hill House. Mm-hmm. I think um, I was expecting that level yeah. of quality. It, and again, that's just personal. We yeah. all go in with personal. Sure. Flanagan's coming off that Dr. Sleep, too, which was yeah. incredible, which was too. Yeah. So, yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I, Flanagan just, you know. He, he had a lot of like behind the scenes involvement, but he wasn't directly involved. Like he, yeah. only, he only directed the first episode. That's it. Do you remember yeah. in our interview, he said like he was like, yeah, I told the directors to stay away from like yeah. long takes. And yeah, it, there, it, there, it, there it, is it, no it, episode six. And if you watch the first yeah. season, you know what I mean? Like there's no 
long there you know there's no like one That's episode okay. that everyone's gonna be talking that. about you know i just want a good story sure so. but it, it feels like less flanagan involved yeah. i think is what jake's saying okay. i think i think i think hill house felt like flanagan yeah. was in every episode sure mm. and i and again i haven't yeah. seen the rest yeah. of the season but it just sounds to me especially since he only directed yeah. the first episode that he just kind of like not handed things off yeah. but i'm sure he trusted the directors and yeah and there's just you know. not i mean you remember when the first season was over like everyone was still was talking about like that scene in the car in episode eight oh, or like episodes all you had to do was say episode six yeah. there's not that like mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. there's not that moment that like i can't wait for you guys to see all right, we'll discuss it in more detail as more people are able to see it, which brings us to our blend game. And for October, we're uh, maintaining a horror theme on the show and we're doing Haunted House Blend. Hashtag Haunted House Blend for this week's episode. We have some really great suggestions from everybody else, which we'll get to in a minute. Kev, I'm going to start with you. What was your pick? You said you were down to two. Yeah, I was down to two, but I feel like, I mean, I, I feel like The Shining is like the the mm-hmm. the one that I that I had the hard time not choosing because in my opinion, every single inch of that place is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the way Kubrick created that environment, created that immersion, created that space, um, I never felt safe in there. And I think a lot of that has to do with just, again, great storytelling, great performances. But when you're when you're when the actual object of the house or whatever you want to call it, the hotel, I'm, I'm assuming shining fits into this. Yeah. Right? Oh, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I'd say yeah, so. I could nitpick, I guess it's not a right, house well, per se, but I won't do that. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll go with the it. spirit. The spirit of it is. Yeah. It's your I, I, I would give you, this, this isn't a T 1000. I mean, every room in the, in the shining hotel is haunted essentially. Yeah. yeah. And they, and but they I, live there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's what made that movie so terrifying is when like the the the, the hotel became a character, right? Yeah. The hotel was a character itself. It wasn't the hotel just is the villain villain. Right. It was. But it wasn't just like, you know, and, and again, Haunted House, I find interesting because like some of my biggest pet peeves in horror films these days are when they use Haunted House jump scares that have no mm-hmm. emotion attached to them whatsoever. And with The Shining, it was Every moment felt unnerving. It was the entire film. The score, the like opening that. score. Yeah. It is so disturbing. And obviously the use of the house, right? If you think about the way they use room 237 or mm. clearly the elevator sequence or, uh, you know, everything about that hotel or and or house was was part of the horror. I mean, you don't have a axe scene without a door inside of a, a hotel. You yeah. don't have the bathroom, whatever you have. So I think to me, even, even, uh, what do you call the area where they go below and fix the pipes and stuff? Um, furnace, uh, furnace, yeah. furnace, whatever. Yeah, basement. Yeah. yeah. What's that terrifying shot where like they, is it, I don't remember. They end up, they're out in the snow and then they end up back in the furnace. Like at one point, I'm trying to remember the shot specifically. It might be another film I'm thinking of, but either way, but I, I, I genuinely think that, that it has to be the classic one. Cause even you watch ready player one, right? And once you get dropped into the hotel in that scene, I felt the horror yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Just I, seeing that gigantic wide shot yeah. with the typewriter and the staircase brought me so much anxiety. You know, yeah. and I think this is what my point is now that I'm thinking about it. The how the the house the uh, the 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 area that pl- that film takes place in is so ingrainedly scared in my mind mm-hmm. that I I immediately went back to the nerves in my stomach when I saw Spielberg recreate it in a digital way or whatever how he did it in Ready or Player even One. when when you and McGregor like pulled up to it at the end of Doctor Sleep when he when he pulls yes. up and he says like I've got to wake it up 
I mean, you don't you don't say I've got to wake it up to a normal. No. You say I've got to wake it up to like a monster. What like do you think Gabe I, said to it when he pulled up to the actual sets <laughs> of the over? I can't house. wait to talk about this on Real Blend in three years. <laughs> but you know, no, you make hallways scary. Yeah, you make doors scary. Yeah, a door is scary. A hallway. I mean, like it, it's and and again the genius of what Kubrick did. Those flashes of violent images and and things like that. But to me, The Shining, it, it's 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 crazy because think about the end of Dr. Sleep. He burns the the hotel down like he, he kills the monster. Like Jake said, it's the villain. And I think that at the end of the day, I can't think of a better example of of a use of space that was created such an unnerving element in me. And then you and on top of that, once you have your actors acting with that material, then you have perfection that, that I think the shining is the scariest film I have ever seen in my life. I can't think of anything more terrifying than that film that I've seen yet. Jakey, personally. what's your choice? Uh, mine's going to piss you off. Oh, because uh, I'm, I'm cheating and I'm saying the haunting of Hill house. Okay. That, that, uh, why, why is that? No, that's fair. Uh, well, that's cause, it's a, Cause it's a TV show. That's fair. Um, that's okay. I, no, I that's think fine. it is. That's fine. Such a beautiful creation. I mean, oh. obviously they have 10 hours, so we're able to really, invest in these characters but i can honestly tell you it's the only time i have finished a haunted house story and been weeping i mean there have been yeah. i mean it not only did it feature some of the like most scared like jump scares i've ever experienced in my life not just her coming out of the back of the car but the first time that the the, the bent neck just saying bent neck lady just uh, sort of sends the bent neck shivers. lady is one of the most inventive uh, horror characters yes. yeah. of the past 20 yeah. years. But the, but the brilliance, and, and here's what, what escalates Hill House from being like a 10 out of 10 to being one of the greatest things I've ever seen, which is the bent neck lady is a terrifying creature, hor- hor- horrible monster, whatever you want to call it, in and of itself. But then when you understand her, yes. when you understand who she is, do you understand when you, that's when you just go... Oh, well, this is genius. And how often do you find out the backstory of the of the scariest creature and it makes you sympathize with yes. it? Yes. Like, yes. Never. Because often, often the backstory makes you go, oh, that's I didn't want to know that. That kind yeah, of ruins yeah, yeah, right. it. Exactly. Like this makes it better. Yes. And and I but just don't give I mean, it, don't say what it is. Yeah, just yeah, for, yeah, in if you haven't seen it, it. Um, but it's I mean, everything, just the visualization, just on a technical level, a storytelling level. Um, and just by the like I said, by the end, I was genuinely weeping. Like, yeah. I just thought it was just such a beautiful, beautiful piece of art. Um, one of the greatest single seasons of television I've ever seen. One of the greatest pieces of horror I've ever seen. And uh, I, I think it will probably for the rest of my life be like my favorite haunted house tale. It also and really Jake's, does Jake's, very simple things in terms of like a dumbwaiter, you know, like mm-hmm. you put a kid yes. in a dumbwaiter. Yeah. He yes. goes down to the basement. You can't get him back Using up. Using the space. Just yeah. simple things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Using simple the space. To like your that. point, Kevin, the, one of the things I talked to um, the, the stars in Flanagan about is this thing that they do where they hide ghosts in corners. Yeah. Which I think is one of the most unsettling. Th- when you're casually watching a show, <laughs> and this is really before people start talking about it. When you're casually watching a show and then you look in the corner and you kind of lean forward and you go, is that like a fucking person in the corner? Mm, yeah. Like, And they hide. And I only caught probably 10%. There's a great website that I think captured most of them um, where we take screenshots. Throughout the series, they hide ghosts in corners. And it's the most unsettling thing to be casually watching a show and realize that there's someone yeah. in the corner the entire time. I think James Wan does that really well, too. I think oh, James I don't Wan think does I really... it in his Conjuring films. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, but and, and that's that's the thing about effective. the Conjuring movies. They use the house really yeah, well. Like, sure. I mean, like that. I, there is like your Conjuring like, would have been a good 
Hill House and Shining don't work without the space. Sure. You, sure. you I mean, like, and, and space is a director, great, great idea. Yeah, you got to You got to use and like Hill House. I still have in my mind ingrained that area where the staircase is. I can yeah. see it yeah. in my head yeah. because it's it tangible. terrified me. Right. And I yeah. think I think when it goes into playing Haunted House Blend, I think a lot of it in my from my perspective yeah. comes from how a director uses space, yeah. how a director uses the 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 location as you know, it was a great house movie. I guess it's not horror movie Knives Out. That was a movie that used a house sure. well, sure. used mm-hmm. space well. Yeah. Um, again, not yeah. to our point. But, but, but also I'd like to, to sort of flip that on the on the edge. Like one of the things Flanagan was talking about with Kubrick in, in our interview with him is how disorienting the geography of, of the Overlook yes. is and whether it be on purpose or whether it just be because Kubrick said, oh, I don't I don't care. It doesn't need <laughs> to make sense. Like, I think it's like on purpose. The, 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 the disorientation the fact that it doesn't really make logical sense in our brains, I think makes it so much better. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I like that I don't really understand where the front door of the Overlook Hotel is. You sh- you are experiencing the disorientation yes. the characters are. Yes. Anytime, anytime, like, and again, I go to Tenant, for example. As we go through Tenant, we are the protagonist. We are we are going through the story as that character, and it's very important that we have that experience. That, that right there is true immersion. And to Jake's point, and Stanley Kubrick creating a disorientation if that if you are confused in a in a in a in a, in good a way. scared way in mm-hmm. a good way um just like the characters are you're then them you're oh then god now i'm gonna watch journey. the shining tonight i mean the shining is oh. uh, sean I, what I, did you yeah i forgot to mention to henry thomas about the oh his amazing performance as uh nicholson oh yeah character. he did such a good job it god really it was awesome all right i went with um the amityville horror and I went with the original. Uh, no, I went with the Ryan Reynolds Ryan version. Reynolds? Really? Yes. I went with the Ryan Reynolds. Uh, you version. know, I've only seen it one time. For this reason, um, oh. the original is one of those films where I'm sure it was very, very scary in its time, but it's super dated. Like if you go back and rewatch it now, it's just not that. It's just filled with ba- like bad sort of seventies um, tech that can't really conjure scare. And and the actors, Margot Kidder's totally overdoing it. James Brolin's not really that dialed into it. But the reason why I love the Amityville horror uh, story is because that happened in the town right next door to where I grew up. What? Massapequa, Long Island is literally Wait, so that's right not like a story. legit, legit, not, yeah, not, not, not like a Texas chainsaw where they say it was a true story and it wasn't a true story. Like no, no, Amityville no. was so an actual. growing up, um, you could actually drive to the Amityville horror house. Does it look like it does in the movie? Identical to how it no. looks in the movie. It looks identical. I did not it's know It's on Long Island, right? It's on Long Island, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, um, That's so cool. I didn't know that. Amityville is right next door to my hometown. And so one of the things you did as a teenager, um, once you got your driver's yeah. license, was work up the nerve in the middle of the night to drive by the Amityville Horror House. And it looks it looks identical to the way that it does. And if you remember the structure of the house, it has those windows up at the top that look, look like, like eyes. eyes. They look like eyes. And Does anyone live there? Yes, people live there now. Um, Why would you live there? But... Going to see that house for the first time as a teenager was one of the very first times that what I saw in a movie was real, like with like Mm. a scary movie. And, you know, you talk about all these locations like you're never going to see the Overlook unless you're you Gabe, you know, Gabe, who who gets to be the luckiest man on earth and go see the Overlook. Um, But I got to drive to that house and see the house. And there it was. And so um, 
I had the Amityville Horror uh, book. There's a book on which it's based. That's a true life story about um, what happened with that family. And that's one of those uh, really good haunted house movies, I think, where you're never 100% certain is the movie haunted or are the people in it going crazy, right? Like, mm. uh, are they losing their minds and projecting like the all the different stuff? The Shining is very similar to that, yeah. yes, too. Um, yeah. So I thought the Ryan Reynolds one was a really good update of the Amityville Horror story of just like a guy who's trying to be a good dad, trying to be a good husband, but thinks he's slowly losing his mind. And people don't use Ryan Reynolds that way. I thought it was pretty effective, but I will never be able to get be- beyond the image of the house and the and the eyes and the way that the house seems to be uh, lighting up with, you know, f- with terror. And in the 70s, I forget if the Ryan Reynolds version used flies the way that the, the 70s version used flies. Like flies were everywhere. They were an important part of, and I can remember reading the book for the Amityville Horror, and they had flies on scattered pages. They would just have drawings of flies um, because whenever the flies turned around that or, or showed up, that meant that the evil presence that was affecting the people in the house that that was the way that they sort of showed themselves. And so, so yeah, I'm choosing that because I can remember to this day, like driving to go see the actual house and and realizing, and it's just a, it's on a suburban street. It's it's fairly generic, and it did get to the point over the years where they had to almost block the street because. Too many people were just using it as a drive-by. It did have a wow. cul-de-sac at the end of it, so you would just basically wait in line, and you'd go all the way down, and you'd check out the house, and then you'd turn around and, mm. and come back out kind of thing. But, um, yeah, terrifying, terrifying. Wow. So I'm picking Amityville. Uh, I also... I also, sorry, I just want to shout out that Ryan Reynolds is excellent in that movie. He's great. I do yeah. remember him And being that was good. in that weird era where, like, it was post-Van Wilder, and he's obviously super funny and very attractive yeah. and I don't know if people really knew how to use him sort of era before yeah. Green Lantern and stuff happened and I think he did a lot of films like that where it was like this guy's good who was the really girl good. in that too she had a career for a hot second Melissa, uh, some, Melissa something she's a blonde girl who I thought was on TV and was about to I think she was an alias and was about to sort of break out but then never did anything All right, Melissa, George? Melissa George Melissa George yes um, I love Van Wilder by the way Yes, I know you do. I love yes. that movie. And like uh, Just Friends. That's another really good one, too. Just Friends is amazing. Yeah, it's terrific. That's, you know, that's a great movie. We should that's do Ryan Reynolds movie. Blend one day. Yeah. Have we not? Sounds like I one that we should we've do. We've done Reynolds Blend. Uh, Michelle Garrist, Lawrence Weinstein, and several others went with Poltergeist, which Kevin was watching the other day. By the way, yeah. I'm going to say one thing about that. Poltergeist is on Netflix it has arguably one of the most disgusting, violent scenes <laughs> I've ever seen in a film, and it is PG. Yes. And this is before the PG-13. Hey, parental we, guidance was suggested. Like, right before the PG-13, though. Right my before. My favorite it. thing was, because Jake Jake is, is like a, the horror aficionado. He goes, what the heck movie is that? I, it's been so long since <laughs> I've seen Poltergeist. I didn't know that, seen that was the forever. Poltergeist scene. Yeah. There's a yeah, scene, yeah. and I'll tell it to the audience, there's a guy in front of a mirror, and he rips his face off very slowly. And yes. it's PG, and I do not understand how It's super PG. graphic. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, John... <laughs> John Palmer and many others went with The Shining. Uh, Rokan Alzir says The Conjuring. And Danny Gurch said The Others, also a really good one. Yes, mm. Jake. I'm just thinking about the fact that within the last, let's call it seven days, mm. the three of us have recorded videos of movie scenes and sent it to each other. Kevin yes. sent a scene of a dude peeling his face off. Correct. Yes. I yes. sent a scene from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that shows a camera 
after a girl blows her brains out, like yes. going through the back of her head and then out of the van, which is a great <laughs> yes, shot. Yes. Sean sends a video of Adam uh, Sandler farting. farting. Yes. And I feel like it, the fact that we all send just terrifying videos to each yep. other just really sums up the, the friendship that the we scariest had. of them all. That wasn't <laughs> uh, for next week. We're going to be playing hashtag zombie movie blend. So Ooh. you're going to be picking your favorite zombie movie I know, using man. hashtag zombie movie blend. Uh, let us know your pick using hashtag zombie movie blend on social media. Uh, or you can also email us your pick at realblend at cinemablend.com. That is the website or the email address, sorry, that you can also send reviews to. And this week's review comes to us from Alexi Ross, who calls us the best film podcast out there. Dear Sean, Kevin, Jake and Gabe, I found your podcast back in March through your first Quentin Tarantino interview. And ever since then, I've been hooked. Listening to you guys chat in a casual and highly knowledgeable manner is so enjoyable and informative, which makes me look forward to every new episode. Your podcast has made me fall in love with movies, and Kevin's adoration of Tarantino prompted me to go and watch all of his movies, many of which are now among my all-time favorites. The friendship and banter between you guys is so great, and I hope you continue doing this for years to come. Thank you for everything. And Dunkirk, best wishes, Alexi. P.S. Kill Bill is one movie, not two. Yeah, it is. All right, well, that's a fact. I like, I like, I like her. What's her that name? One more L time. for me. Uh, that is Alexi Ross. Alexi. Thank you, Alexi Ross. We appreciate you. Appreciate you, Alexi. Um, for everyone else who would like to send a review, go to the uh, Apple iTunes page and drop one there. Or again, as we mentioned, you can uh, email us at realblend at cinemablend.com. Uh, as soon as we finish this, we're going to be recording our next premium episode. Uh, for this one, we're going to be sharing stories about the most scared we have ever been in a movie theater. And the minute that with this topic came up in the text chain, uh, we all had stories that we knew we wanted to tell. So that will be the uh, subject matter for the next premium episode. In the meantime, and if you want to sign up for premium, you can go to, uh, what is it again, Gabe? What the? Uh, you just go to bit.ly slash real blend premium. Thank you. All one word, no capitalization. Thank you for uh, having my back on that one. And we're up to yeah. like 12 episodes now, 13 episodes. This is number 11 that we're about to put out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There we go. So there's a little archive if you guys want to uh, yes, get Yes, you'll have access to all of them. Where's my newsletter? That, should I be concerned that I get a uh, I get a bill in the mail every week for $5 from Gabe saying... That's uh, that's you, different. You did the, so that's you did a different. The that's your fee to be on the show. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He charges <laughs> me more to be on the show. You, it's an appearance fee for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm on it. Right. You can follow us uh, on social media at jake's takes at kevin mccarthy tv at sean underscore o'connell follow the show at real blend to drop us a review on itunes and we will be back next week uh until then man you be halloween you be halloween that's funny as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.